December is good. And I'm really looking forward to December in church. I'm looking forward to sharing on uh, well, the theme of the light of the world. Uh, I, I'm actually quite excited about the message this morning. I also got a little excited with fairy lights, if you can't tell. Um, I have this picture in my head, right, of like, I needed a lot more fairy lights, but let's be honest, it's not the major issue here. I wanted to put them all from all the way along, so they all went just straight down. Um, d- fairy lights you can buy. You know what you can't buy? Someone who's comfortable standing up a ladder that long. Um, I, wish I, could d- I wish I could buy that. Um, I, was, I was up on like the, the second or third like top rung of the ladder up there, and some, I hear some Ultra One kid from the balcony go, She's up really high. <laughs> I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> like, that was so unnecessary. Why? <laughs> I was like, I can hear you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not great with heights. <laughs> so I was like, okay, they're all going over here and we'll figure it out from the floor. <laughs> so uh, not quite what I had in mind, but we got there um, and it works. So the light of the world. And that's, so that's why we're going to go all out and um, when it comes to the cafe service. Um, it'll all be um, around that theme of the light of the world as well. But this morning's message I've called uh, Searching for a Saviour. Because as I was thinking about the light of the world, and um, if you've been around church for a couple of years, you probably would have heard me share some of these things. But um, let me fill some people in. But I'm going to talk about Jesus for the whole month of December, if that's okay. Uh, But I want to talk about what the world was looking for and what the world is looking for. Because when they called him the light of the world, it wasn't just some title they pulled out of the air because it sounded cool or because, you know, he was going to bring light to the world. It actually had so much significance because they were waiting for or they had this picture that already existed of a light that they would follow. So Jesus was actually born, not on December 25th, by the way, um, but Jesus was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles, it was the, the feast that celebrated God's presence dwelling with the Israelites. So when they were wandering around in the desert, they had built this tabernacle as God had instructed that would contain his presence within it so that God himself could dwell with his people. And because God instituted that, they celebrated that feast and it was called the Feast of Tabernacles or the, um, the, and it was all about God being with them. And so um, when, when Jesus was born during this feast, I'm going to read a scripture. John 1, verse 14. We get this picture of a saviour that is God, his presence coming to dwell with us. John 1, verse 14. It's up there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It actually says in some translations, and tabernacled with us. It's a direct reference to the picture that God had painted in the Old Testament 
And the fact that he was born at that time of year was to show that he was, he, he was the presence of God coming to dwell with humanity. So the light of the world. Why the light of the world? Well, not only in the desert was there a space created for God to dwell with them, but there was another, uh, another way that God was present with them uh, in their time in the desert. And that was uh, it, by day uh, a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of light or fire. That the, they followed through the desert, that they were led by, it actually showed them the way to go. So the Israelites followed the light. And so when Jesus makes this statement in John, and I'm just going to go through these quickly, by the way, because I want to paint a picture this morning of the saviour that the Israelites were looking for and the saviour that God sent, the saviour that we're looking for and the saviour that God sent. So... Jesus actually finds himself speaking to a crowd of people gathered at the temple. And this is, he's just come into his ministry. He's just started to do miracles. He's just started to get known by the people uh, who were in the cities that he was going to. And, and they, they were starting to figure out there's something about this guy. You know, people are starting to follow him and he's got his disciples there. And so he's teaching in the places that he goes to. And so one of the places he goes to, it explains that he's in the temple and he's standing in the court of the women or near the court of the women. So the, the outside uh, area of the temple is divided into sections and there's one area, it's not just for women by the way, but it's just the, the only part that the women are allowed. So all people were able, all the Israelites were able to be present in this court. And so standing in the court of the women, there was actually this pillar of, or a pillar candle that was there to, um, that like, that represented the pillar of light that was in, um, that was in the desert. So it was like this visual representation. And during the Feast of the Tabernacles, and by the way, this is set. So when it talks about during the Feast of the Tabernacles, during this time. So he's come into the temple at this time where this pillar of light, these candles that are lit. Um, it, and I say candles, but you're probably thinking way out of the scope. It, this thing was like five stories high and flames. Like it was to represent how like how awesome this light was that, that had led them through the desert. And so standing in front of this light, pillar, candle, fire, I don't know how, to, how you would, but standing in front of that is where Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. So he's not just pulling a title or a description out of the air, but he's actually confirming to them or he's actually, he's, they were waiting for God to be present with them. To, they were waiting for God to send a Messiah. They were waiting for this Savior to come. And he's standing in this place saying, this is what I am. So the Jews were waiting 
for their guiding light. There's a concept throughout history books in the, uh, particularly around the first century. It's called it, Pax Romana in, uh, and it, it means the peace of Rome. And everything that was important, everything that was um, that the government did, it was all centered around or it was built on this idea of the peace of Rome or, and people live or it, their idea was that if the government controlled everything, then there would be peace. If, if the empire of Rome conquered everything around it, there would be no conflict because there would be no one to have conflict right, with, right? So, so whatever was instructed or told or the, the armies were required to do, it was all explained to them that they had to do this in the name of the peace of Rome. The people desired peace. And then comes Jesus, not building an empire or sending an army, but says, I'm the Prince of Peace. In John chapter 1 and verse 23, John the Baptist declares, make clear the way of the Lord. Now, if you see Lord like that, it's not the, the God Lord. It's actually the Lord that means lead, the, the Lord, the title Lord that was used um, at the time to refer to Caesar, to refer to their leaders. The people actually recognized a lot of these titles that Jesus then came and said, or God sent his messenger. So in this case, John the Baptist has said, make clear the way of the Lord. And he goes on to talk about Jesus. The people expected one kind of king, one kind of leader. But God sent Jesus and said Jesus was what they were waiting for. In John chapter 1 and verse 29. I don't know if it's up there. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The people were waiting for a saviour, a substitution for their sin. They understood that a substitution was required and so when you see in the Gospels, Jesus described as the Savior, it's not something that was new to them. It's not something that we heard first referred to as, but this is something that they were expecting, that they needed, that they were waiting for in, in their lives. And God said, here it is. Here is what you need. I could spend all morning going through every name or title that Jesus has given throughout the Gospels from start to finish, and I could show you that they're not just things that mean on the surface level of what we read, things like the light of the world or the living water, all of those things, but we could go into each one. I could preach a message on each one individually, I think, 
and it'd take me it'd take me more than a year, I reckon, because there's so many things that prophetically or Jesus speaks out, declaring, or that people say to Jesus, you were this. You know, as but as each one, if you look into each one, it actually has a basis in their society and people the people that were present there were waiting for these things or expected these things or understood these things and Jesus came to say no no not Caesar not a king not an empire not any of those things but Jesus is the answer to these things that you're looking for we understand now because we put those titles on Jesus and understand him to be those things but he actually came to fulfill those things He was everything that they needed and he's everything that we need. If Jesus could be everything that had been promised or that was required or that the people were waiting for throughout the course of history, can he not be enough for us? We talked about desiring less stuff. I think sometimes we forget to desire God and we wonder why we desire so much stuff. We forget to seek and build our relationship with Jesus and instead we wonder why we want all this stuff that shouldn't be in our lives, why we desire things that we shouldn't, why we want to feel, you know, we might... But do we, if we were to know Jesus, if we were to spend our time seeking him, we wouldn't seek those other things. Sometimes we disconnect from Jesus, from our relationship with him, from pursuing the knowledge of who he is from understanding, from worshipping, from prayer, from the things that connect us to God and we wonder why we're dying on the inside. Sometimes the disconnect happens when we distort our image of God. Sometimes it happens when we put things in our lives that don't belong there, that crowd out the presence of God. Sometimes it happens when we just overload our lives with stuff instead of prioritizing our time with God. And we wonder why we're in a place where we feel like we're not connected anymore. But if he could be enough for history, he could be enough for us. They expected a God, a Messiah that was going to fit their plan, that was going to come and over, overthrow the Roman Empire, free them from you know, all the difficult things they were going through, that was going to establish a kingdom on earth. But the kingdom of God isn't one established through force or violence. It isn't one established through overthrowing anything. It's one established in love. It's one established when we seek our relationship with God above all 
else. It's one established when we find ourselves fulfilled in walking in the calling that he has on our lives when we're challenged to be more like Jesus. Not to fit or conform or follow a set of rules, but to follow Jesus. I think somewhere along the lines, I, I got thrown by the humanity of Jesus in that I knew to worship God and could, was okay with the, with the idea of worshipping God, but worshipping Jesus became difficult or even connecting with Jesus because, well, Jesus is a man. So you, you, know, you think, consider his, his wisdom or his kindness or his ex- extreme love for people, all the things that we love about Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to actually go, that's the God that I worship because they're so human. Tra- well, they're not <laughs> naturally human traits, but they are identifiable, personable human traits. But the Bible says that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the things that is the embodiment of all the things that God is. He is our representation of God and he does give us a connecting point to be able to go, that is the God that we worship. Sometimes we want to disconnect the two. We want to worship God and sing songs about God. But have you studied the life of this saviour that we profess to follow? Have you opened up the book and considered what it was like to walk in his shoes, to stand in the places that he was, to love the people that he was faced with on a daily basis that we read about? If you start to open up and understand that most of the people that are described in encounters with Jesus, he shouldn't have even been speaking to. But he loved them, he healed them, he provide, you know, he he did amazing things in the lives of people that he shouldn't have even been speaking to. Have you spent time lately getting to know Jesus? How incredible is it that we were given this book that tells us about his life? that we have ways that we can access and look into these things. And if you start to open it up and connect with Jesus, you will walk away inspired. You will walk away challenged. And I think sometimes that's why we avoid it. Because it's hard to look at the incredible life that Jesus lived and go, "Is that is, you know, I... I've started answering more questions with, well, that's what Jesus said to do. Because sometimes the logical answer doesn't fit. The human answer doesn't fit. Even the Christian answer doesn't fit. But when I go back, and I don't mean Christian, by the way, I I mean the religious answer. You know, sometimes what people believe, have said you should do isn't necessarily anything like what Jesus would have done. But as we desire to follow Jesus, we find not just our Saviour, 
but we find a friend. We find an incredible example of what we need to do. And you'll find a deeper relationship with God as you connect with who Jesus was, what he did, how he lived, how he treated people. This is the God that we serve. And our challenge is to try and be a little bit more like him every day. I wonder how many people missed Jesus walking by because he looked like a guy born in a stable or a cave in Bethlehem, in Galilee. How many people missed an encounter with God walking the face of the earth because he didn't fit their expectations? How many times have we missed God moving in our lives because it didn't fit how we expected God to move? I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. Just to finish up, by the way, band, you can come. This is kind of a long passage, but it's Christmas, all right? I'm allowed to read this story. (laughs) At the time of the Roman uh, the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus. Uh, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified and the angels reassured them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Saviour, yes, the Messiah, The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So angels tell a crowd of shepherds to go find their king in an animal food trough in a stable, essentially. And their, their response is to listen and go. They recognised something about their king. They recognised something about their God. And they went. And they worshipped him there. I found in all my years serving God, following Jesus, 
is number one, he so often surprises us with how he's going to do things in our life. And number two, it almost never looks like what we think it's going to look like. But God is God. And as we allow God to be God and we seek to just follow Jesus, then we're going to do all right at this Christian thing. He was the Savior, the Messiah, the sent one. He was the answer to everything that they were waiting for and every word of the Gospels that you read is actually not just there as a nice story, it's there almost almost exclusively all the stories about Jesus' birth right up to his time of ministry are actually to show us that he was the one that God had sent. Almost all of the New Testament stories up to the point where his, his death and resurrection is all quoting or noting or connecting to points of scripture from the Old Testament or even in some cases like songs and, and things that were said about current leaders. And it's, all, it's like an apologetic. It's showing them and showing us who Jesus was the Saviour, the Messiah, the Lord, the light, the answer. He was then and he still is. Let's stand. As the band begins to play, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And take a minute to consider the fact that God himself actually walked the earth like you and I do. He understood what it was like to feel pain, to feel rejection, to love, to lose, to have relationships with people. He understood and he showed us. As you close your eyes, take a moment to consider this man, Jesus. The incredible life that he lived. The incredible love he showed. The Bible says, greater love has no man than he who would lay his life down for his friends. Above and beyond greater love, there isn't than a God that would lay down his own life for a world that rejected him. He loved you enough to reach out when you, the Bible says, while we're still sinners, he loved us first. Have you ever considered what it would have been like to stand and talk with Jesus? How he would speak? 
how he would show grace to those around him. The wisdom that came through his words, his teachings, and his life. Take a moment, really just focus for a minute. We're here at church to do two things, to connect with each other and to connect with God. Well, we're making space here just for a minute to reconnect with Jesus. Not even in a presence kind of way or, you know, and I understand that his presence is here with us. Not even, not in a theoretical kind of way, but in in a contemplative moment. Allow him to be present in your thoughts. I challenge you, if you feel like you can't paint a picture yourself of who he was, who, who he is, then read these words more that talk about his life. He's both inspiring and awesome, loving, amazing. I just want to offer you a chance this morning. Feel, you feel like you're in a place where you need to do something in your life to reconnect with God, to step out in an action that requires something of you that says, I'm going to do, do something today to make a reconnection with Jesus. I'm going to center my life around pursuing him and all that he was and is, who he is. I'm going to follow Jesus. This is not a new Christian challenge. This is an everyday, been following Jesus a hundred years kind of challenge. Anyone can consider where they stand today. Do you need to turn your life in a direction that follows him again? Do you need to seek him on a deeper level in, a, in your life? Do you need to reconnect this morning? If you do, then I'm going to ask you to get out of your seats, to come down here as the band plays and we pray and Take time to reconnect with Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that paints a picture for us of the life that you lived. Lord, we thank you for your word that inspires us and challenges us to live differently. Lord, we thank you for your presence that makes us whole and brings peace in our life. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have relationship with you. And I pray for every person here that might feel re uh, disconnected or like they've missed the point or missed the boat, like they been left behind. God, I pray for a reconnection, a reestablishing of relationship here this morning. God, I pray for every person that feels like they're missing something, they lack something, they need more of you in their life. I pray, Lord, for boldness to step out, God, and for you to meet them right where they're at. 
in Jesus' name.